the third Sunday of January every year is, is set apart as the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Because as we know, back in 1973, on January 22nd, the Roe versus Wade decision was made and abortion was legalized across the United States. And so now we come together today to think about, to talk about, to pray about how we might be a part of loving and serving well on this day and throughout the year in regard to what this day represents. So, here's the cool thing. We have several of our church members on the board of directors for the Tri-County Pregnancy Center, which is based in Aurora, but it serves three counties, Tri-County. Lawrence, Barry, and Stone, thank you. Lawrence, Barry, and Stone County. And so we have some of our members on that board. Teresa and Jenna are going to come forward this morning. They are on the board of directors for the Tri-County Pregnancy Center, and they have agreed um, to make a presentation in regard to what that ministry does and how we can be a part of the wonderful things they do. No, it's okay. You guys can come up here. I was just waiting until you got here. I was going to stop talking as soon as you got up here. So Teresa Evett, Jenna Whitmer, they are on the board. They serve faithfully, and they're going to share with us today again what this wonderful ministry does and how we can be a part of it. Thank you so much, ladies, for agreeing to do this today, and I'll turn it over to you. Good morning, church. Um, as Brian has said, we serve as board members on the Tri-County Pregnancy Resource Center. As board members, we meet once a month to um, help with the vision of this resource center and how to reach out to our community. As Brian already said, we are in Aurora. We're on the west side of the square there. As Brian said, in 1973 is when that um, law passed for abortion, but also in 1973, Ronald Reagan had a proclamation of sanctity of national sanctity of life. Um, later on, the Supreme Court passed that as every third Sunday in January. Our vision really is to be a pro-life biblical source to strengthen other families um, in the community. We have a lot of services. We are, again, as Brian said, we serve the Tri-County, and we have been doing so for almost 10 years since October. Our hours, we have very short window, um, Tuesday and Thursday, we're open from 12 to 5. So we're only open for 10 hours a week, um, and hopefully in 2020, that is something that we will be expanding. Um, we have three paid employees and six volunteers which are very crucial to our everyday life. And we also have five board members. If you feel like this is a calling, we urge you to become board members. It's a very good opportunity to help out these families. Um, We have a lot of services, as you can see. Um, We mostly deal with the pregnancy aspect, but we go to all of those resources that that includes. We have a limited um, ultrasound. We also provide pregnancy tests, counseling, referrals to things. We have um, alternate resources, which is Alt A to A, and that is a state-funded program to where we can help 
um, financially with clothing, food, utilities, rent, whatever is needed to help with that pregnancy become a successful one. And all of this is at no cost since donations. Okay, a typical appointment um, when they... The family first walks in, they will meet with a mentor, and they will watch a DVD with curriculum based that they will come to every week or every month. So it depends on the client as well. Um, And then they will go, it's a small picture, they will go to our store where they can receive diapers and wipes and also use up points that they have earned. They gain points by bringing a support friend, coming to their appointments, bringing back their homework, stuff like that. Um, And then they go back into the waiting room and fill out worksheets and get information, homework sent back to them. So in 2019, we've had 335 appointments. Now keep in mind that these 60 clients that we have seen, we only have 10 hours a week to see them. So... That is why our volunteers, our six volunteers, have logged over a 1,000 hours. And we've also provided 26 ultrasounds for these families. So our 2020 plans, we have made up a basic plan of yard signs that we're hoping to spread the word. Um, We have a trivia night fundraiser. Um, We are wanting to move locations Um, to a bigger location, because we are busting at the seams as is. Um, We are initiating a dad program, so that is safety classes, um, encouraging words, just things for those dads. We have a lot of services for those moms and for the family unit, but we're hoping to include the dads a little bit more. And then we also have a fall banquet this year. And that is a big fundraiser that we will need to hopefully move locations this year. So how can you help? We have been here lots before. You have heard a lot from the Tri-County Pregnancy Center. So I think you know a little bit, but um, we're always accepting baby items for that store that they can earn points and buy things. Um, That's as well with those diapers and wipes. We can always use money Like I said, we're hoping to move locations, Um, so that would be a big aspect of that. Um, We also can use mom gifts. Um, Sometimes the moms gets overlooked in this aspect of trying to get those things figured out, so we want to give her the support as well. Um, You are always welcome to visit the center and see how you guys can help if you want to volunteer And that can be many things. You can volunteer as a mentor. You can volunteer by just cleaning and organizing. Um, Really anything. I think Teresa said they got fabric a while ago, and they were just um, sewing bibs and washcloths and things like that. So any of your talents can be used um, in this center. Um, And, of course, praying. We, We see a lot of clients that desperately need God's love. And so we can help share that, but we also need prayers for those families. And our mission is pretty simple. Um, It is to change lives, strengthen families, and save those babies. I think you guys mostly know my story. When I was 19, I I got pregnant in high school. And this is the first place that I went to because I've heard about it at this church. Um, And so they were very, very 
kind, warm, and welcoming, and helping me figure out the process of what I needed to do, um, of how to tell my family, of how all of those, all of those aspects go into it, even though Alex almost passed out. <laughs> um, they were very kind to him as well. <laughs> um, so just as, just keep these things in your um, heart and your mind and be praying about it. And if you think that you can help um, in any way, please reach out to Teresa and I. Um, part of the reason that I'm part of it, um, of course, we also went through a teenage pregnancy in our home. Um, so that has a special place in my heart. Um, and about a year ago, you'll remember that New York passed the late term abortion law. And at that time, what God spoke to me was, yes, we can be upset with the lawmakers. We can be upset with the physicians who perform the abortions. We can get mad at all of these people. But who's actually making the decision to have those abortions? And those are the moms. And so those are the ones that he laid on my heart to try to reach um, because that's where the decision is made. And so... um, I had kind of been toying with the idea of trying to be with the Pregnancy Care Center. Um, Kanan Vermillion is also on the board there, as well as Wally Long, who is the pastor at Northside. And um, so I went to one of their meetings and became a board member. Um, So that's kind of my background on how I got there. Um, as far as who we serve, a lot of times we think of the teen pregnancies being in there, but I was actually watching a video last night of one of Donna's interviews with News 10, or Channel 10 News, um, and she said the youngest that they have serviced is 13 years old, the oldest is 48. So it actually is for women of all ages, it's not just teen pregnancies, for women of all ages, all backgrounds, whether rich or poor, um, they just want to be able to help these moms um, who maybe were not expecting this at their time of life. Um, And Jenna has gone over the ways to help, um, donations of funds, diapers, various baby items, um, and we've even had, um, I believe, furniture that has been donated, um, like even toddler beds, mattresses, things like that, that they can store to help some of the families that need. Prayers, as she mentioned, we are looking for a new place, whether it be to purchase a place or to build. Um, We had a meeting last week, and one of the things that we talked about is a dream of the board is in the future to be able to have maternity homes so that we have places for moms who don't have a place to live to help them get on their feet. So, Um, obviously that's going to take some funds to get there. Um, Volunteers, we need mentors. Mentors are trained, so don't feel like you would just be walking in cold turkey and starting to help people. They do provide training for those mentors, and they try to match them up with girls who maybe have backgrounds similar to theirs or that they've gone through some things similar to what they're going through. Um, We do need more board members. We have five at the present time. Our goal is to have nine board members. So if that is something that you're interested in. 
And then the use of talents, as she mentioned, um, actually we got some fabric from Bill Early um, a while back that was sitting at his house. And um, Colleen is actually going to be using her talent of sewing to make burp rags, um, blankets, things like that, bibs, just to donate because they do give baskets of things when the baby is born. Um, And I believe we had 15 babies born this year, I think is what their letter said. Um, So if you know how to sew, if you knit and crochet, we can always use baby afghans. Um, Just anything that your talent, if your talent is cleaning and organizing, I'm sure they would be happy to have you come do that every once in a while. Um, But we are having a goal this year of trying to get open more hours, but that does require volunteers. Um, so we do have to be able to man those hours. Um, but anyway, so that's my part. Tremendous job, ladies. Thank you so much. And as much as I'm grateful for you all presenting that this morning, I'm even more grateful for the service you do on that board. Um, what a tremendous ministry that is. And it helps so many people. I mean, you think about the number of clients, the number of babies, and those are lives that may have been saved from a different option. And uh, I'm so grateful for the work that that does, and I pray that members in our church, other members in our church, would be led to be a part of that ministry, and we as a church would be led to be a part of that ministry through giving and through serving So that's what I want to talk about today. What is life worth? What is a life worth? Today I want to give you a life insurance illustration. Of course, every sermon has an illustration. That's actually the hardest part of preparing a sermon is finding new and proper illustrations every single Sunday, as I've quoted my uh, uncle-in-law before, who is also a pastor, he has said that Sundays come with horrifying regularity, and they do. No matter what's happened that week, I have to have a sermon, and those sermons have to have illustrations. And so this morning, I have brought to you a life insurance illustration, literally a life insurance illustration. So, I didn't know this. When the actuary at a life insurance company prepares a life insurance policy for a person or proposed life insurance policy, they put together what they call an illustration. This is literally a life insurance illustration, which as defined is a set of projections prepared by the actuarial department of the insurance company. It shows you your policy. It shows how your policy will perform over your lifetime. It includes financial projections for each year. This is a whole life insurance illustration. Um, You know, this past summer, I had to re-up on my life insurance policy. I have a term life insurance policy. And it actually wasn't due for another 10 years, but do you know what happened to this past August? I stepped over the hill. I turned 40. And if you've gotten a life insurance policy before, you know that the premiums are usually better before you're 40 than after 
your 40. As you go down the hill, the premiums go up the hill. And so I decided to go ahead and re-up to uh, reapply for a life insurance policy that would take me to 60, a 20-year plan to 60. And in order to do so, a nurse has to come and give you a checkup. They took my blood, they took my blood pressure, they measured my waist, they had me step on a scale, gulp, um, they of course listened to my heart and did all those things that they have to do and then they sent it away, somebody, there's an algorithm somewhere that decides what your life is worth or, or better, how likely you are to die in the next 20 years and based on that projection, they submit to you a premium. And based on the premium that they offered, it doesn't look good for Pastor Brian. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I didn't get the preferred rate or whatever it's called, but my life is in God's hands, so there you go. So in a way, they told me what my life was worth. It's sobering when you're told what your life is worth. Thankfully, I don't go to the life insurance company to find the value of my life. I go to God's Word. Where do you go to find the value of your life? Are you listening to people? Are you looking at magazines and comparing yourself to others? This isn't a part of my sermon. In fact, I just thought about this, but I'm going to go ahead and preach it because I'm up here and you're not, so... I can say whatever I want to say. Where do you go to find the value, to evaluate or to evaluate your life? There is not an actuary out there that will give you the answer. Unless they're going to the Word of God, they will not give you the right answer. The, the number on a page, the value on a life insurance illustration isn't what God's Word says. God's Word, the Bible, tells us that every life is precious and priceless. Why? Why is every life precious and priceless? Why is every life sacred? Because we are made in whose image? In God's image, that's right. Every single life made in the image of God has infinite value, and we should treat it, view it, and treat every life as such. Now, we are going to be getting back in a few weeks to our Esther series. We've been out of it for a while over the holiday season, but we are going to get back to it in a few weeks. And there was a verse in Esther, of course, you'll remember, Esther is about the salvation of the Jewish people. There's a hidden providence. God, behind the scenes, is working to save his people because there's a man named Haman. Of course, the events in the book of Esther happen in the later half of the 5th century B.C. King Ahasuerus, king of Persia, Xerxes I in Greek, is the king. He is on the throne. And he has this this servant in his cabinet named Haman who despises the Jewish people. Haman was an, a, a descendant of the Amalekites, enemies of the Jews. And Haman has a grudge. To make matters worse, Malachi 
Read, if you don't know the characters, just read the book of Esther. Come back for the sermon series. I'll fill you in during my sermon series. But Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman, and it infuriates Haman. And so we pick up in Esther chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Haman is mad, to say the least. And he wants to eradicate, to destroy every single one of the Jews. And so in Esther chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, if you will stand with me in honor of God's word, let us read this together. Esther 3, 7 through 11. Haman's mad. That's the context. He is ticked off. And so, in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur. Now, we find out about the Jewish festival of Purim from this book. This tells us how this festival came about. Purim, Pur means lots, casting lots. And while the lots of Haman seemed to point to the destruction of the Jews, we find that God is in charge of the lots. Remember today that God is in charge of the lots of your life. That wasn't planned either. There you go. That's extra. They cast pur. That is, they cast lots. Before Haman, day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the providences of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. So what is the worth of life? Well, for the Jews, it was 10,000 talents. And then let me skip ahead to chapter 4, verses 6, 6 and 7. Hey, or Mordecai has found out about Haman's plot. He's fasting and praying. Esther, his cousin, doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know why Mordecai is so upset. So he sends a servant, one of her attendants, out to check on Mordecai to tell him to dress and eat because she doesn't know what's going on. And so in, chapter, in verse 6 of chapter 4, Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. You may be seated. And so I come back to the question, what is life? Worth. As I was preparing the sermon series, and of course always thinking ahead to future summons, sermons because Sundays come with horrifying regularity, I came across these verses where Haman speaks of what, or Mordecai speaks of what Haman is doing and says, and he paid the king 10,000 talents for the destruction of the Jews. And the, the, the thought came to my mind, is that what a life was worth to Haman? And not just one life. I mean, there are people, and I'm sure you all have watched those shows where they go undercover and they catch one person trying to hire another person to kill somebody, to off somebody, a hit. 
And we've seen the Dateline, NBC, murder mysteries. And we've heard these people say, I'll give you such and such amount of money to take care of this person. Haman proposed 10,000 talents for an entire race of people. It's pretty horrid if you think about it. It's shocking, really. I, I hope it makes you cringe a little bit to think that's all he valued their lives at. And I don't even think he valued them at that much. I just think he knew what it would require for the king to say, yes, go ahead. What is life worth? So this morning, with the few minutes that we have left, I want to propose to you three questions. Three questions to help us gauge how we value human life. We can't go back and change what Haman did. In fact, God took care of it. Spoiler alert, God saved the Jews. It didn't happen as Haman planned, thankfully. But today, there's a question before us, especially on this Sunday, National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. What is life worth to us, every life? And so I want to give you three questions to gauge how well we value human life. The first question is this. Do our actions match our words regarding the sanctity of human life? Do our actions match our words regarding the sanctity of human life? I was sent an email this past week reminding me that the most, most abortions are done for unmarried women in their 20s who have, low, who have a low socioeconomic status. They have very little money, very few options, and very little hope. Now, every life should be fought for. Every abortion is horrible and evil. But let me say, as I always do, every sin is horrible and evil. Every sin is equally offensive to an infinitely holy God. And praise God that he sent his son Jesus to die for every horrible and evil sin. There is forgiveness. There is redemption. There is life after abortion. There is blessing after abortion. There is blessing after any sin that we come to God in repentance for. By grace through faith, God can make all things new. But these young women have no strong support system in their life. They have very little, very little education. The most they can hope for is a minimum wage job. But who's going to watch their kids or child while they work? Because they can't afford childcare on a minimum wage job. So again, they see very few options and even less hope. Unfortunately, many don't know about the resources such as the Tri-County Pregnancy Resource Center. They don't know about the resources and places that are available for them. And with all the demand and need, unless we get involved, Christians, there's no way these centers can handle the volume of those in need. And so I think the question before us this morning as we rant and rage against abortion, as we should, is what will we do to be a part of the solution? What will I do? What will you do? Will we merely speak out against abortion or will we put our money where our mouths are and serve and give and help and pray? Will we love well? Will we foster and adopt? I'm so grateful that we have so many families in our church who are foster parents or who have adopted children. Church, how well do we serve them? 
How willing are we to care for those children who would be saved if they weren't aborted? Will we work to give moms available options and hope? Will we be the hands and feet of Jesus? Now, we can't do everything and we can't help everyone. That is too daunting of a task and it is impossible. We can't do everything and help everyone. But what we can do is something. What we can do is help someone. And we've been given a perfect outlet this morning with two people in our church who serve on the board that we can go to and say, I want to help. We can be a part of the solution and not just yell out the problem. Parents, when your child says your name over and over and over, mom, 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 dad, 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 and and what do we want to say? What? What do you want? Stop saying my name. I wonder if that's how God feels sometimes when we're raging about issues, but we don't ever do anything about it. I wonder if he just says, stop talking. I've heard enough. Do something. So that's the first question. Do our actions match our words regarding the sanctity of human Life. Second question is this. What will you do with the life that God has given you? So we're going to expand this question now. This is not just about abortion this morning. Because this is about what we do with the lives God has given us. How do we value salvation? How do we value grace and mercy? How do we value that you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs? This day is priceless because God has given it to us to do something with it. Acts 20, 28. Now this is a message that Paul is giving to the Ephesian elders, but I want to make a point with it. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, listen to this, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, now we can talk about the value of life, but one thing we can't argue about is the value of the blood of Jesus. How valuable is that? The very blood of God. Infinite, right? Infinitely valuable. And yet, he chose to pour it out, to pay it for us. That we might be redeemed, that we might be saved, that we might be freed from sin and given the ability to do something about the problems and the hurts and the hardships of this life. What will we do with that gift, church? Will we squander it? Will we bury it or will we we see its value and live like it's precious? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Or as 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Of God. How valuable is the life that God has given to you? How valuable is the blood of Jesus that was shed for you so that you could have that life? Church, what are we doing with the gifts of God? What are we doing with the lives that He's blessed us with? If if someone were to look at my calendar, would they be able to say, Wow, 
you must value Christ and what He's done for you. Because I see what you're doing on His behalf. I see how you're serving Him and how you're sacrificially loving Him and those around you. This is a broader question than just abortion today. Because if we believe life is sacred, which it is, then we definitely believe that eternal life is sacred, that grace is sacred, that salvation is sacred, and that the blood of Jesus is absolutely, infinitely valuable, and He's poured it out for us. And so, church, what are we going to do with that gift? How valuable do we believe it is? Are we glorifying God? Are we pleasing to Him? Does this worship service please God. Do your day-to-day thoughts, words, actions, do they please God? And are we even asking that question? Greg, I'm so grateful, shared a podcast with the elders this past week. It was a message by Francis Chan called Rethinking Church. It was a message that he had preached at the Rethinking Church, Rethinking Mission Conference. And his first question to the crowd was, have you all enjoyed this so far, and of course, they're all like, yay, woo! Lo and behold, he was baiting them. He was setting them up for his next question. Because his next question, the far more important question, was, has God enjoyed this so far? Now, you know, it, it was interesting how you could hear the change in the tone of the crowd. Because everybody cheered, everybody applauded, there was hooping and hawing going on in the crowd. And then when he said that... There were some people who go, yeah, because all of a sudden they're like, is he enjoying this? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I wonder if God is pleased with what's going on today, with what's being said here. Francis Chan referenced the passages in the Old Testament where God basically tells the Israelites, I can't stand your worship, your sacrifices, your festivals. And of course, in Revelation, Jesus says similar stuff to the seven churches that he writes to there. And why did God, through his word, say all of that? Because the hearts of the people were far from him. They said they believed certain precepts. They sung worship songs. They offered platitudes of praise or lip service, in other words. But they didn't live what they said they believed. They didn't love as God had called them to love. They didn't give sacrificially as God had called them to give. They went to church for the wrong reasons. They went to get what they could get. They came to church as a consumer, attending and serving based on their own conditions and wants. Ouch. Did you hear that? They came to church as a consumer, attending and serving based on their own conditions and wants. What do you come here for? Do you, do you choose a church based on the preacher or the preaching? Do you based on the, whether the music is contemporary or traditional? Now, th- those are important things to talk about, important things to think about. Please don't hear me wrong this morning. But if that's why we're going to church then we've made church about me, about us. And you know what God said to those Old Testament Israelites and those New Testament believers? He told them that he was sick of all of it. So I wonder what God's feelings are toward our songs. I wonder how he feels about our attendance here today and what we are offering to him. Is he pleased with it? Because our hearts are pleasing to him. Now, please hear me. (laughs) 
I know this is coming off pretty strong. I'm not offering any diagnoses today. I'm not saying, church, you've been blowing it all these years. It's time to get it right. Your heart may be exactly where God wants it to be. You may be here for exactly the right reasons. This service may have been completely pleasing to him. I pray that it was. But I just want to remind us, as I was reminded by Francis Chan this past week, to make sure that we are asking the question, is God pleased with us? Or, put in another way, with all that God has done for us, are we using the lives that God has given to us to please Him? What will we do with the life that God has given to us? And then the third and last question, very quickly here. How much do we value eternal souls? Again, we are here today because we value human life. Because we say that life is sacred. What about eternal lives? What about eternal souls? And this is about evangelism. Church, what are we doing to reach those people out there? Friend, believer, Christian, church member, what are you doing to make sure people out there know about Jesus? They know how to have eternal life because they have an eternal soul. Listen, everyone lives forever. Everyone lives forever. We all are going to live forever. The question is, which destination will we live forever in? There is a real heaven and a real hell. And please hear me this morning. I don't talk about hell because I want people to go there. I talk about hell because I don't want people to go there. The Bible talks about hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. And so we talk about it because we don't want people to go there. Because there's an answer. There's another option. There's a choice. And there's a solution, and his name is Jesus. Church, we know that. I hope you know that today. If you don't know that today, or if you've never come to him for salvation, your soul is eternal, and it has infinite value, and he died. He shed his own blood so that you don't have to go to hell, so that you can be with him forever in heaven. And I pray today that when I'm done, you will run to the front to make sure that is taken care of, that your eternal soul is eternally saved. But once it is, we have a commission. We've, we've heard that word before, right? Jesus' last words to all of his church, go and make disciples. And if we're not doing that, church, if we're not doing that on a weekly basis, if we're not looking and praying for people and opportunities with whom to share that gospel, that good news, that solution to hell, then we don't really believe that lives are sacred. We don't really value souls. If we did, and maybe you do, and I praise God, if you're one of those who are praying for and sharing and looking for opportunities, that is the commission. That is the call from our Savior, our General Jesus Christ, to go and to tell all. If we really, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Maybe we should have a Sanctity of Human Soul Sunday. In fact, probably every Sunday, all 52 of them, are Sanctity of Human Soul Sunday. Because we are here to honor Christ and to make sure the world knows that He wants to save them and be with them forever. How much do we value eternal souls at Covenant Baptist Church? How much do you value souls in your day-to-day actions and words and thoughts. In summary, and I just leave you with this question because this summarizes all the questions, 
what will we do about what we believe, or, or at least what we say we believe? So ways to serve, ways to respond this morning. First off, if you don't have the solution, if you've never come to Jesus by grace through faith, then I invite you this morning to do that. Secondly, we've just heard how you can be a part of the Tri-County Pregnancy Center ministry to minister to moms, to help them both pre- and post-birth. Before they have their baby, to minister to them, to encourage them, to let them know there are options and there's hope. And then afterward, to continue to encourage, to give, to support, to contribute, to mentor, to love, to volunteer. This is how we live what we say we believe. And then right here in our own church, I just want to give you these because these just became, uh, I just became aware of these needs this week. We need a teacher for our kindergarten Sunday school class. We need a teacher for our kindergarten Sunday school class. And so if you've been feeling leading to get involved in our children's ministry, or God may be calling you right now, or if you feel like you have the gift of teaching, God's probably calling you. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be, have to be every week. There's going to be, we're hoping to get multiple people to share the responsibility so that you don't have to do it every Sunday. But we need volunteers. And of course, we always need volunteers in our nursery. If we value children in this church... We will show that by making sure that our children's ministry is the most staffed ministry in this church. So if you're not currently serving, I would encourage you to pray and ask God, is that where you want me to serve? That's it. I'm done. I don't think there's anything left to be said. Uh, Well, I'm sure there's a lot, but I probably wouldn't say it well anyway. So I will let the Holy Spirit continue to speak to you to respond as he has called you to respond. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to be a people about our Father's business. We don't want to be lip servants. We we want to put our money where our mouth is. We want to be doers and not just hearers. We want to be active servants in your service. And so God, would you reveal to us Continue to reveal to us how we can be a part of your kingdom work on earth, Father, and give us the boldness, give us the will, give us the ability to not be silent and to not be inactive, but to go, to share, and to do, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, your hands and feet, Lord. Would you help us to do that today according to your spirit and according to your mercy, in Jesus' name, amen.